welcome to the way of the womb podcast my name is beck i'm your host and i'm a trauma-informed holistic birthing doula womb worker and earth lover i am here to support you and all womb owners whether that's through your monthly cycles and navigating the everyday or whether that's to support your journey through the rite of passage of pregnancy and birth my passion is to support souls to come home to themselves so you can connect back to your innate power, your intuition and the wisdom of your body so you can feel empowered and live your truth. On this platform, we will be discussing periods, pregnancy, plant medicine, birth, trauma, mental health, spirituality, earth to body connection and everything in between. This is a place for conscious souls to gather so that together we can heal, thrive and live authentically, unapologetically as ourselves. This is the Way of the Womb podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Way of the Womb podcast. I have with me the beautiful Sarah Hawkins and we're going to be talking all things twins. Sarah, I'm so in awe of the work you do and I'm just like tell me everything about the twins because I don't know as much as I would like to know and hardly anything to be honest so thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and knowledge and oh you're welcome you're welcome I've got um, a little one next to me who's got a little fever so if you hear a little moan in between my boring you with twin facts it's um Coco next to me but she's all right she's got her earphones on (laughs) be boring us but bless I hope she feels better soon and also I just want to speak to the traffic that I have because people might be able to hear and I live on one of the main roads in Glastonbury that has the white spring on and it's like being on the hard shoulder of the M5 or something it's just oh yeah so if you can hear the cars that's what's going on but anyway Sarah please introduce yourself tell us a little bit about you about you and what you do and yeah and we'll dive straight in. Okay, so I'm Sarah and um, I'm a doula and I support all types of birth really in person. Um, Mostly free birth I'm called to, which is great. I love it. Um, But I, in my training, so I was a doula before I did any training. And in my training, I realized that there was real gaps in understanding and knowledge around twins and twin pregnancy. And I have an equal amount of respect for someone's autonomous right to decide how they experience their pregnancy, what support they have in pregnancy. I also feel that if that right, if that autonomous right guides them towards having good standard of care and monitoring, that it had to be good standard of care and monitoring. Mm-hmm. So in that, I it was never a it was never a conscious decision but i i found myself sharing more and more about twin pregnancy and birth and unique complications that can happen in certain types of twin pregnancies and um it's a really bad marketing strategy because <laughs> twins aren't that common so um and because it's you know as i say my house an awful lot of the work i do in and around twins is um more sort of outreach work and you know um voluntary but yeah that's that's who I am because I have twins which is um 
why I'm so passionate about them. Amazing. That's incredible. And so when you were doing your, I'm just going to go straight on in there and start asking you questions. Why not? Yeah. Um, when you did your doula training, it wasn't originally wanting to work with people having multiple pregnancies or anything. It was just doula in, in general. And then you kind of veered off into becoming a specialist in twin and multiple pregnancies. Is that right? Yeah. So I was a doula for a little while before I did the training. And I did the training because, um, as you know, there's all these registers and there are some that are really popular and others that aren't so popular. But I wanted to be um to be on one of the registries so I decided to do the um training and so um yeah when I did the training what I found was that there was a lot of um I don't know misconceptions around twin pregnancy and that you know what you'll hear a lot is and forgive me because I do you know, I do sort of say things as it is, you know, you and I, we've been at a birth together and it's like, you know, you're proper scout and I'm proper London and we say it how it is. Right? So this poor woman had brawled in stereo with us. So, you know, um, I do think, you know, there's a part of me that thinks that twin pregnancy has to be seen as a variation of normal. And that it needs to be seen as a miracle and as beautiful. But there's sometimes when the language needs to be more direct around it. And that is that some types of twin pregnancies are an anomaly. Um, it is an anomaly that a egg would split. It doesn't happen that much in the animal world, in other mammals. Um, I think it happens in, in some primates very, very rarely. It happens in one in 333 pregnancies um in human pregnancies um so yeah while I am of the opinion that um dizygotic twins so twins from two eggs because you know we have two ovaries you know um then that that falls into that kind of um mentality when we have twins that are monozygotic so from one egg or triplets from one egg we have to look at it a little bit more um have some more critical thought around it because those twins sometimes need support in pregnancy in order for them to um have a positive outcome sometimes not always sometimes okay so going back to kind of like the sciencey side of things when they get really sciencey and I know very very small amounts actually from you and one of the clubhouse houses you did with Kemi and I'm sure many, many other amazing birth workers. But to actually understand what actually is a identical twin pregnancy, what is that, the scientific name for that? Is that two eggs? Is that one egg, two sacs, two placentas, blah, blah, blah. Can you kind of break it down um, for us to kind of, if you can, of course. Yes, you can yeah. I, oh, hang on, I just dropped how it is and the different types we have. I've just dropped my pen, so nearly fallen off the bed. (laughs) No, because I got to make notes so that I don't, because I get the words wrong, right? So basically, so you got one egg, which is an egg is a zygote, okay? So um, is the egg. So in um, a 
in identical twins that it, they are monozygotic. So that or in triplets, they can be monozygotic. Quads can be monozygotic. So what happens is, is that um, the egg will um, develop over a few days, over you know hours, a few days, and it will separate. Now, depending on when that egg well, divides, and depending on when that egg divides, so if it divides once, it becomes twin. So it divides once, and then one of those other eggs will divide again and create a triplet. So, and depending on when those eggs split, depends on whether or not it will become a dichorionic twin pregnancy. So that is um, a pregnancy where the twins have, or the triplets or the babies have their own placenta and their own chorion, um, uh, or if they will be monochorionic, and that is sharing a placenta and a chorion. Right. So dichorionic twins can, can sometimes be from one egg. They can sometimes be identical. But dizygotic, so from two eggs, can never be monochorionic, but their placentas <laughs> can fuse. But they'll still be independent, mostly independent. Sometimes, in very rare cases, they become so fused that they can share, a, you know, small blood vessels. But no, it's um, it's uh, it's very very unlikely. But yeah, so that that's what happens. And so when you've got twins that share a placenta, so that's monochorionic, where um, they share one chorion, depending on when that egg splits. Those babies, those twins or triplets, will either have their own amniotic sac or will share an amniotic sac. So if you look at the chorion, like the bedroom, and the amnion is their sleeping bag, or you know, the chorion is their bed, and the amnion is their sleeping bag. So they'll either have their own sleeping bag or they'll share a sleeping bag. If they share a sleeping bag, that happens in I think less than one percent. So but Babies can share a chorion but have a different amnion. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. And if because... anyone's listening that doesn't know what a chorion or an amnion is, it's the two layers basically of the amniotic sac. Yeah. So because the amnion kind of travels from the umbilical cord across the top of the placenta and then around the baby. So I don't understand quite how a babe, you know, a pair of twins would have the, you know, one amnion, but so, but they would always, always, if they're monochorionic, they will always share a placenta. And if they share a placenta, so if they share an amnion and the placenta, what can happen is that their, um, their um, umbilical cords can become so entangled and intertwined that it can become dangerous further on in pregnancy and those babies I have known babies that share an amniotic sac go to 37 weeks and mum went into physiological labor and she gave birth vaginally and you know it was touch and go um but it was it was an it was an undiagnosed monochorionic uh, twin pregnancy then the then if you've got uh, monochorionic diamniotic so where they've got their own amniotic sac they um the the risks to them is is whether or not 
they share and they have an equal share of the amniotic sac. Oh, no, of the placenta, sorry. They have equal share of the placenta. So I collaborate sometimes with um, Professor um, Kipros Nicolaides, sorry, name job, kaboom, right? But he's, <laughs> he's a god, he's a Greek god. Um, is that the way he explained it to me is that, and for placenta geeks out there, and I'm sure you're one, um, but, but, you know, I don't think you've ever met a keeper that's not. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've got, if you've got a, a twin placenta, you know, I used to think, even I used to, I used to do podcasts about it. It's like, oh, it's one placenta, the, the babies share, and they are dependent on each other. When I asked him about it, because I said, oh, you know, can you explain how a, a, a twin placenta works? He said, a twin placenta is not one placenta. It's not two placentas. It's three placentas. I just saw your face. <laughs> mm, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. So a placenta, a single placenta is made up of lots of little placentas, okay, that kind of connect. And it's got is it veins going in and vessels coming out. I can't remember. Um, arteries, two arteries. Two arteries, one... Um, <laughs> veins and arteries and and the arteries pump to and from the veins yeah yeah, yeah yeah so each one of those percenters has one each of those so an artery what did you say is that two arteries one vein yeah so each one of those percenters has one of those right that each of those and so on on a twin placenta so the one twin has their own independent source of life let's say with lots of these collections and the other one has their own with lots of these life sources and then in the middle is shared arteries and veins so a collection of shared and what can happen is that in those in, in those connections that those connections can become disrupted and then you get fetal to fetal transfusion situations where one twin will get too much blood and the other twin will get not enough. So you get one twin that become, can become dangerously anemic and one that becomes dangerously plethoric. And then also if you've got a, a, a placenta where a, one twin is has only maybe got a third no, no less than a third, like a quarter of that placenta for themselves, mm -hmm. they will grow a, a slower rate and will be much smaller than their sibling who has a larger share of the placenta. Yes, okay. Oh my gosh. So I don't even know where to start with all that information. I feel like I need to re-listen to it about it. <laughs> it's the big names, isn't it? And the big words. Yeah, sorry. So no, don't be, thank you. It's amazing information. And so, so you can have, say, let's just talk about twins for now. Mm. You have twins that share the same sack. You can have twins that share not the same placenta, what we perceive to be the same placenta. Yep. Or you can have separate sacs, separate placentas. Yeah. And which ones of these twins are identical and which ones are non-identical or is it not as easy as that? If you, so sometimes 
a, a monozygotic pair of twins can separate and they will create their own chorion. So dichorionic twins can either be fraternal or identical. Okay. Monochorionic, so where they share, can never be fraternal. Okay. Non-identical. It depends on when the egg splits as to how it implants on the uterus and, and how it is formed. But yeah, it's, it is magic, really. Um, so magic. And do we not know what causes an egg to split or an egg to stay whole? Like, why do some people have that experience? Why do some people have twins and some people don't? Like, how is that? Well, thing? so hyperovulation, so that is where you um, produce more than one egg in a month, is in is uh, is genetic. So you can actually get that from your father if his maternal line has that in it. So okay, it's only on the father's side. On, but it could be on the mother's side or the father's side. There's a, there's misinformation out there that you, if only if your if your if your dad's sister had dichorionic twins or fraternal twins, that doesn't matter to you whether or not you might. It does matter because your father might carry that gene and pass it on to you. Okay. It used to be because of people think that oh it's a maternal gene, which it is. Of course it is. It's an ovulation gene. Um, it. It only comes through your mother, but it can come from either side. So that's genetic. It's also worldwide. So twinning, it's called twinning. So that's sort of populations of twins. Hyperovulation is more com common in the West Coast of, of Africa and parts of Asia. This makes sense because I've spent some time in Uganda and everyone was a twin. Like so many <laughs> people were twins and I was like... I'm sure I've never met this many twins in like in England. And yeah. I don't know if it's the same. I'm sure it's probably the same in a lot of cultures. What I found really beautiful when I was in Uganda is that twins were seen as like this real magical, magical thing. Singles, it was kind of like, okay, whatever. Triplets, okay, whatever. But twins, <laughs> it was like this mad thing. And there was only four names that twins were called. So two girls' names and two boys' names. And whatever that name was, it would say whether they were the older of the twin or the younger of the twin. And whether oh my God. a girl or a boy. So uh, one of them was um, Mabiri, who's a girl's name. And it meant that she was the oldest twin and the younger twin was a boy, I think. Thinking off the top of my head now. So it was like, her name's Babiri, and straight away, you'd know that she was a twin, had a younger brother and knew all of this stuff about her. So I love really that. And also in Uganda, and I'm sure many other cultures around the world as well, as soon as, you know, you have your baby, you're no, you no longer have your name anymore. So, for example, if, what's your first daughter called? Kitty. Kitty. So you would no longer be Sarah. You would be called Mama Kitty until you have your next. And then your name would be called Mama, whatever your baby's name was, until you have a set of twins. And then you're called a completely new name altogether. So you say, hi, my name is, I can't remember what it was now. Therefore, everyone will go, oh my God, she's like goddess because she's carried twins. I love that. It's made me go cold. I know. Honestly, it was so beautiful to learn and hear and like 
yeah, I mean, this was years ago I went over, so I'm hoping I'm giving all the information correctly, but it's always something that's amazed me. Well, so- I'm going to hyper-focus on that today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. But yes, yeah, so I- interesting. Yeah, so it's, so in the world, um, you know, young white women account for less than 20% of twin births. Um, so, and that and hyperovulation, obviously, um, it, no, it wouldn't be hyperovulation, but IVF. So in the UK now, um, there's quite strict rules on IVF. So you can't, you cannot have more than one egg implanted, unless in extreme circumstances. That what might be that you are of an older age and you've not had IVF before. Um, there's so many terrible rules around IVF and fertility treatment in the UK. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast in itself. But, you know, by the time a woman actually gets in to see a doctor for IVF treatment, she will have had to have suffered three miscarriages and tried different types of IVF treatment and stuff, which is just utterly abhorrent, in my opinion. Um, so and also we in the UK, we leave the eggs a little bit longer to develop to make sure that they don't separate because of the high risk involved in twin pregnancy, especially for IVF women who have had IVF. It's not that significant that we, you know, we should just dismiss, a, you know, a, an egg separating and creating twins because that's just that's just amazing. You know, my twins are identical and it is amazing but we have these rules and this is causing women in the UK to go overseas to have IVF treatment Mm. where they are implanting upwards of nine embryos right then we've got women of an advanced age who have fertility issues who suddenly find themselves pregnant with multiples and then you know there's you know then it it, it, that throws up lots of other ethical um things that that play into it so that is what that can cause twins so in twins that um are identical that from one egg the mo the leading kind of hypothesis is that the egg is in some way you know excuse my language again I've, I've got to speak about it directly I wish I could be more sort of I don't yeah, know like, you, you use better sem- no I wish I could use better semantics but it is it's an egg that is damaged right so an egg that is maybe maybe in, like beautifully imperfect you know how that's I mean it, it is and it might be and I do I have observed there's no research to back this up but I have an autoimmune disease that causes quite rampant inflammation in my body. And women who have my disease, there is a, or within my community, there is a high number of identical twins. Interesting. So I think it might have something to do with inflammation. And yeah, and older mums also are more likely to have um, identical twins. Do you think, because I've heard that before, that older mums are meant to more likely to have identical twins. Do you Or twins in general. Do you feel like that is almost like a, 
oh, what's the word? Like an instinctual primitive thing of the body being like, okay, we haven't yet had a baby. Let's up our chances of creating a baby to sustain life and kind of upping ovulation or something. It really feels like potentially it could be that. Yeah, it could be a gift. I mean, you know, if like triplets even, because what happens is that the, you know, the ovaries start chucking eggs out at a certain point. And so, you know, not just two eggs, three eggs, sometimes four eggs. And so not only are women who give, who um, conceive later on in life, not only are they more likely to have twins, but also dichorionic twins. And, and multiples so p- potentially yeah I mean I had a child already but I was 35 when I fell pregnant with my girls okay yeah. um and then I had my singleton after that yeah yeah it's so interesting and so there's a lot of myths around as well like whether you can have twins if it's not a gene carried in your family. Now, I think you've told me before, if you can sporadically, randomly just have identical twins, but to have non-identical twins, that fraternal twins, mm. it has to be a gene carried. Is that correct? Yeah. I yeah. just thought it would have been the other way around. <laughs> no, no, it's a gene. Well, it's either a gene that you're carrying or you are going through perimenopause and your body is just producing more eggs or you are having fertility treatment that causes you to hyperovulate. So, so, but it's interesting that if a woman has two sets of twins, so two twits, two sets of fraternal twins, which is, is quite rare, but if that happens, she's almost certainly going to have another set of twins. It's almost, it's like a guarantee wow that's so interesting yeah really really interesting <laughs> I love you're it. pregnant you're pregnant now and I'm always convincing you that it's twins I had this like twin energy you know like everyone tells me it's twins my friends <laughs> my friend's little girl she in pale I shared it on Instagram actually she said to me have you got a baby in your belly? She's just turned three. And we hadn't said anything. I wasn't really showing that much. And I was like, yeah. And she went, it's two. And I was like, okay. And I was like, are they girls or boys? And she went, two girls. And then her mum was like, what are their names? What are their names? And I was like, oh God. (laughs) (laughs) And she says it to me all the time. So it would be interesting find out although I feel like I would have been bigger by now if I was having twins but never not necessarily so you did seem to pop early and then now like you know slowing down a bit but it's um you know it's it I I I have it happens to me a lot that I have had babies born on the same day of women that I've been supporting The, the birth that I came to with you I'd run from another birth. Yeah, yeah that's so true. Interesting. Oh, some magic going on. <laughs> so, so am I right in thinking that any random person that doesn't have twins in their family can randomly go and have a set of identical twins? Yes. And what causes that to happen? Or do we not know? Well, they think it's they think it's an an, an egg that is not 
is is perfectly imperfect let's say it's an egg that is is um I don't know. I don't know what words to use, but but an yeah. egg that may be in some way damaged or not as healthy as the other eggs. But you know, they still create perfectly healthy babies. Well, some people would say that they're extra healthy because you're getting two for the price of one. I'm getting two for the price of one. Yeah. So some, there is some there is some research that are doing into the man's sperm. Okay. But we're we we're at early stages there. Okay. It's another point as well just just to jump just jumping just because i want to make a point of this even if we don't talk about it but it's interesting that twins particularly identical twins are used in research in twin studies and um i'm i'm doing an awful lot about to raise awareness for this so in the in the uk at the moment we have a register of fifteen thousand twins that are used for the purposes of research into things that don't benefit twins Wow. 15,000. Now that goes against the Helsinki Act, okay, because there's quite tight laws and for, for vulnerable groups, but because there's the definition of a vulnerable group is quite woolly, Twinstone are not under that. But around the world, there are registers, registries of identical twins for the purposes of twin studies and twin trials and clinical trials and there's ones that and, and they these throw up ethical and um, ethical considerations as well because people will say well you know we, we we are kind of you know we are making sure that they're ethical and you know and and we screen them and we make sure that the advisory board there's an advisory committee so there will be one there's one at the moment or there's one that, that's been ongoing into alcoholism well, as a human being, if I had a set of twins that came to me and one was alcoholic, my instinct is to help that alcoholic, not study them, mm -hmm. right? The same with diet, you know, they're looking at twin, one twin has a bad diet, one twin has a good diet. Well, I'm not going to study them. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to support them. I'm going to try and help them. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so it's... um. It's something that happens and um, twin studies were actually, just to get really dark for a moment, but twin studies were the brainchild of a guy called Francis Galton. And Francis Galton um, is the person who came up with eugenics and he inspired the Nazis. He inspired the colonialists of South Africa he inspired a lot of people to do a lot of bad and Joseph Mengele who did um really quite devastating um experiments on twins and children in Auschwitz wow. and um we're still using that twin method today and we live in a world where we're not looking after our twins. We're not, we're not protecting them in birth. We're not respecting them in their birth journey. Um, and yet we're using them. And that needs to stop, in my opinion. So sorry to take it there for a second, but you know, the um what a term that I hear banded around an awful lot is term for twins. You know, 36 weeks is term for twins. 37 weeks is term for twins. 
36 weeks and 37 weeks is not term for any baby. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And so we are, and the reason that they came up with these arbitrary numbers, apart from in um, twins that share an amniotic sac, is because hospitals and obstetricians are notoriously bad at monitoring. And so for safety purposes, to have two live twins at the end, it's, it was a logical step to induce twins or have twins be born by a cesarean earlier rather than allow them to go to term. And, and we are... Do you... Sorry, interrupt. Yeah, go on. Do you think that is because one twin will more likely be breech or depending on the type of twins and how like you know they're kind of set up in there like that some twin pregnancies are more dangerous than others or what we perceive to be dangerous or what what is that because why why would it be safer for babies to come out before they're cooked and ready why would it be safer for twins to be induced when when you know what an induction actually is this is why you know on my instagram i try and be as balanced as I can be and give information about all the options and if you look at my one that is about induction of twin pregnancy it's all my all my recommendations are having a bigger conversation with your obstetrician so that you understand what's going to happen because my belief is that once a mother understands what's going to happen she's probably going to decide against it because it's, you know, when you know what the body is doing in an induction to one baby, are you going to, that's your body, that those are your babies, mm -hmm. right? Um, there, the, the research says that um, there are better outcomes for twins that are born by cesarean over vaginal birth, but they haven't screened out those that were born by induction. So, of course, a straightforward cesarean is going to have a better consequence than, an than a cesarean or a vaginal birth following an induction. Of course, because of the stress from mother and baby. Yeah, exactly. Right. So um, we are we are taking away these children's birthrights, their right to be fully developed for them to have a good breastfeeding journey, for them to have good developmental, um, you know, because the best the re research now says that um, there is the, the optimal time for babies to be born is around 39 and a half weeks, right? For them to, they have a lower incidence of developmental difficulties. They have better immune systems. They have less chance of having autoimmune diseases. So when we are, inducing babies or delivering them by cesarean early we are putting the, we are potentially offering them in return a life that might be impacted by that early delivery or that early birth absolutely and that's not fair so they're in my mind so my twins I went into spontaneous labor at 32 weeks 
but that's a completely different kettle of fish. I had no say in the matter. They they had started to develop TAPS in utero, which is a condition that can affect twins that share a placenta. Um, and and I'll tell you a beautiful story about that because it's it's magical, right? Yeah. Um, I'm ready. So okay, hold yeah, hold that thought. So um, they I forgot where I was going with it now. So they were born at 32 weeks. Um, but when you've got twins, even if they share a placenta, um, the option should be there. They should always be good standard of monitoring, right? Right now, women are being refused their right to give birth vaginally because they, um, the midwives are not experienced in twin birth. Yeah. That is unacceptable to me. It's utterly unacceptable to me. Absolutely. Uncomplicated dichorionic twins are being refused to be, to be born at home. I have had I have been supported women who have given birth at home that have had complicated dichorionic twin pregnancies, right? I'm not I'm not I'm not sitting here giving an opinion on what I think is right or wrong in that regard because as a doula, tell you what, if they told me they wanted to swim out onto an island and give birth I I back them all the way if that's what they want you know if it's an informed decision that's all that I'm bothered about um but it should be an option that women can go to term give birth when their ba baby's ready and when their body is ready but the monitoring in those cases is increased if the mother wants it and that proper Doppler readings are done, which are very quick, very brief. Um, but what is happening is, you know, um, even the NHS recognises that Doppler scans need to be done as quickly as possible because yeah, we've spoken of... spoken about this before, yeah. Yeah, they need to be done as quickly as possible. But what is happening is, is that people that are really inept at monitoring and doing scans are, are spending 45 minutes scanning 45 minutes even the NHS says that in a, like without Dopplers 15 minutes is maximum yeah that's ridiculous and yeah is that because it's because we don't have the ratio of twin births here in this country is it that we've lost the skill to support it or are we scared of it is it is it higher risk in them quotations? Like what is the reason behind ending these pregnancies early for twins when it's not all? I think there has become, I think the lines have become blurred between, hold on a sec, let me just, one second. One second, my dog. <laughs> Dog's kicking off. Sorry, yeah. Um, I think that there is, there's, the lines have become blurred between midwifery and obstetrics. So some things that used to be a midwifery skill have now become something that only obstetricians will do and vice versa. So midwives are becoming, you know, as the lovely Kemi calls them, medwives, right? And am I right and, in that if you're twins, you're automatically go under obstetrician-like care? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And also twin 
Um, so I've when is this going out? Is this going out immediately or is it? No, it'll be a little while yet. Okay, yeah, because I've got I've, I've got an well. Will it be before or after March? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, if it's okay, yeah. Well, I I I'm doing I'm doing everything I can to try and upskill healthcare professionals because in the UK that makes them a twin specialist is the fact that they're calling themselves a twin specialist. They've done no additional training. And yeah, and a skill that is frowned upon, particularly by a lot of my colleagues that really believe, as I do in physiological birth, as being an intervention, is not an obstetric, it was, was not, is not an obstetric method. And when I say obstetrics, I mean, it, it, it's not something that was developed and thought up by obstetricians. It's a very old skill that used to be done by midwives. <clears throat> and that is that when the first twin is born, the abdomen is gently stabilized, mm-hmm. right? Gently to allow for the next baby on the next contraction to gently make its way into the pelvis. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not always necessary. You know, there can be hours between twins. But there is a lot of evidence about um, effect to second twins in general in birth. And so that, that intervention to me is no different from <clears throat> in a in a singleton birth um if the mother is having a um a pph or is, is bleeding heavily massaging the uterus that's an obs- that's that's a midwifery skill right so but what i get is i get a lot of people in you know, in our, in our circles, in circles that really believe in, you know, uh, free birth, home birth, physiological birth, really, you know, wagging their finger at this, um, you know, stabilizing the abdomen. And <clears throat> it's, it's um, I, d- I don't see it that way. There's certain things that, you know, a breech birth that you need to keep an eye on and look out for. And these are midwifery skills. If somebody is bleeding heavily afterwards, there are midwifery skills that come into play. Now, the the alternative to stabilizing the uterus can be quite catastrophic. So, you know. So it's like what what weighing up the options and knowing that there's options out there. But what's happened is is that that stabilizing the uterus has become an obstetric skill. So only an obstetrician thinks they know how to do it. You could do it. Like I could do it. The woman who's giving birth can do it. Her partner can do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like that saying, you know, anyone can be a, oh, everyone, I think the quote is everyone can deliver a baby. And I don't like saying deliver, but, you know, you could be a gardener, you could be a hairdresser, you could be any kind of, career path to support a woman birthing yeah because you let the body do its thing and yeah intuitively and you know we have lost touch with that because of 
the media because of the stories we're told and all of them things and yeah it's really really sad and I'd love to speak to the fact that twins isn't always dangerous or high risk we see people going on home birth or you just told me about a woman you supported who free birthed her twins yep and the second one was breach and she'd had three cesareans so you know oh my god I love it right so yeah and I there are times when and that's the thing is that twins is has become an umbrella term so uncomplicated twins are being treated like high high risk twins and that's not fair it's not fair because those twins those mothers of those twins that are carrying those twins are having a white knuckle pregnancy right and they are given all the risks and it is absolutely unnecessary totally unnecessary and all the while there are the ones that there are risks right potential there are risks who are not getting good standard of care because there's so many people in the system right now and people say to me it's a bit of a mixed message there and I'm like no it's not a fucking mixed message I gave birth in hospital to 32 week old twins 32 weaker twins right because I understood the complications right I then free birthed a singleton because I understood having had an actually high risk pregnancy and birth that having a high risk or I'm doing bunny ears with my fingers right having a high risk pregnancy because of my BMI or because of whatever reason they came up with is worlds apart so it makes logical sense to me that those pregnancies those births that can happen safely outside of you know the medical uh, model uh, uh, do and those that need it do get good good standard of, of support but for twins to be so I've, I've told you a bit about the high risk but for twins to be low risk you know ideally you want placentas that are not close to each other um obviously none that are covering the, the cervix and that the the um the twins are both growing at good steady rates and um yeah but even twins where the placentas become slightly fused they can they can be born um twins that share a placenta can be born vaginally yeah because then you also it's like you know for us to think that our body is not capable again we're just questioning our bodies our babies nature and I know we know that sometimes babies and our bodies need support and help but the majority of the time our bodies are just doing this amazing thing that we can trust and really be like well our bodies know what to do even if that is when we're having twins yeah yeah and my um like I'm gonna I'll tell you this beautiful story um but I um all these years later I if it's well international prematurity day or one of those days because the whole NICU experience is is quite difficult um I do spend the day in my feelings 
all up in my feeling right <laughs> and I was I was really emotional on World Prematurity Day and Willow who is one of my twins I've got Kitty and Willow she came to me and she snuggled up to me and she went mommy <clears throat> I went yeah and I am really careful about what I talk about in front of the twins particularly around tw the twin pregnancy stuff because <clears throat> their birth and them their you know them being the amazing little humans that they are is what drives me to do the work that I do and improve things but I don't want them to feel like they are the epitome of of having to be an example or do you know what I mean like I don't want them I don't want the burden to be on them it's not on them you know they are individuals they are amazing little humans and um you know she she's crawled up onto the bed next to me and she's like um mommy I said yeah so Willow was the polycythemic twin so she had too much blood her blood was very thick and Willow her sister um, Kitty her sister was the anemic twin so she's the donor right so sorry just belched <laughs> that's all right I'm, I'm telling a really emotional beautiful story and I did a little right anyway let's go back to the beginning so I'm really emotional <laughs> set the scene Sarah go on yeah yeah so, yeah I'm sobbing I'm ugly crying right I'm just an absolute mess Willow <laughs> crawls up on the bed next to me snuggles next to me she says Mummy, I suggest she goes, you do know I saved Kitty's life, don't you? I said, what do you mean, darling? And I thought, I thought she's going to come up with something like, I don't know, that she had a dream or that she is going to come up with like a story about how she crawled into the incubator in Nikki or something. I don't know. My brain just went to lots of different things that she could possibly mean. And I was like, what do you mean, darling? She said, well, um, I said, well, after you were born, and she went, no, 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 before, just before. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I knew that Kitty didn't have enough blood. And I, that's why I was born like this. And she was, she was born like, like with her hands up to her face. Um, and she said that that's why I was born like this. That was because I was squeezing with all my, with all I could from my heart to send blood and she followed with her finger from her heart down to her belly button to push more blood into kitty oh my god that's gonna make me cry i'm not emotionally stable <laughs> sorry oh my gosh that's beautiful and is and there you've you don't really haven't really spoken to them too much about it as you say not wanting them to carry the birds and she said that off her own back Set it off her own back. And I, I told Kipros that story. And him being a researcher and a scientist and a fetal medicine doctor, he says two things about my twins. Birth. He says, I got lucky. They got lucky. And I said, is it possible that what she's saying is physiologically, could have physiologically made a difference? And he said, yeah, it's a miracle. What she told you, she, it could physiologically, she's understood She's telling you she understands how to send blood to her sister. Wow. Oh, my God. I've got shivers everywhere. That is incredible. How magic. Wow. Yeah. So even these high-risk twin pregnancies and, you know, I think if you're in tune, I mean, you've got, I would, you know, you're very in tune with your body. 
you know you do the work you manifest and you and you think you know all of those things are really important but we have to have one eye to the potential but equally follow your instinct so my twins taps was undiagnosed and I was I was going to the hospital I knew that something was wrong and I was begging for help and they would not help me so this you know yeah you know I think that that brings me back to the point that instinct is incredibly important in pregnancy absolutely in and out of pregnancy but especially in pregnancy yeah yeah and mums just know yeah we just know oh I knew I was pregnant with twins I'll tell you this last story because I know you want to go you look really tired and you're pregnant but I'll tell you this last story I'm loving it. <laughs> all I'm right so okay tired in general I think I'm <laughs> still oh bless you so am I um the um so I I knew that I was pregnant with twins so there's no twins in my family at all I knew that I was pregnant with twins and I had some breakthrough bleeding had some spotting so I said oh, I, I was like, like dithering about whether or not to go get it checked I was like well yeah my instinct told me to go so we got in the car and on the way there I've just had this thought in my head like do I tell Ian that it's twins do I tell Ian that I think it's twins no like because I've got two head two 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 voices in my head and uh so I'm having a conversation now with my myself and it's saying no you don't want to get egg on your face if it's not twins and then the other voice said, no, just tell him. Like, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> maybe it was them. Maybe it was their voices. Probably. <laughs> yeah. They like, just tell dad. Um, I said, you know what? I, I, I need to say something, but I'm a bit worried I'll get egg on my face. And he said, what? I said, you know, I think it's twins. And he sort of was like, yeah, well, yeah. no, we'll see. Anyway, we drive there. We get there. I and sit this on the. had any appointments or scans or anything? Before I'd had anything so I sat on the couch on the on the you know the bed thing and the sonographer said to me how are you feeling I said well I'm anxious obviously because of the bleeding but also I think it's twins so I laid down and she um was doing the scan and she turned the screen towards me because they turn the screen away from you in EPAC just in case um she turned it towards me she said there you go there's the heartbeat and um I said oh wow and I said and the other one and she went yeah hold on a minute and she went round to the other one and wow it was there of course I'm not even shocked of course <laughs> that's so magic yeah yeah and what yeah. was it like was like fucking hell <laughs> I bet you were so glad you said it to him in the car on the way there because I'd just be like one of them things like oh, I wish I'd said it to him before yeah 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 because yeah exactly because nobody would have ever thought known that I'd like had this premonition yeah no he was he was just shocked and but we were happy but then um you know just the NHS I, they offer people selective reduction or termination as standard so I came out of hearing that I was twins. with twins. Yeah. So I, I came out of hearing from the sonographer that I was carrying twins and I went into the midwife and the midwife um, at my local EPAC, I think she's still there, is is known for her 
her charmless um, demeanor, but she basically told me that um, if that, you know, gave me all the risks, but also layered it with if one of them has a cleft palate, they'll both have a cleft palate, they've both got Down syndrome, if one's got Down syndrome, they both have Down syndrome. Um, and do I want to have a termination or selectively reduce, which is terminating one? And um, I was just, I, I left and I was like, I was both elated and deeply depressed that someone had had this conversation with me um, in the way that she did. And um, I mean, if I'd have walked in there and gone, oh my God, what am I going to do? I, I, I couldn't possibly, you know, if I'd gone in there like that, but I didn't, I went in there, I was like, I can't believe it. It's twins, you know, I was happy, I was made up. And then, um, and what she said is, isn't untrue, but it's statistically unlikely that it would happen to either of them, you know? Absolutely. God, I can really understand and hear how that would make you feel both elated and that depressed feeling like wow what? yeah and then yeah and then the whole pregnancy and this is the same for a lot of of, of women is and families is that they they are literally going for scans I mean I've I've known people who have had their pregnancy misdiagnosed now in a twin pregnancy it's no good calling it anything other than a diagnosis because you need to have it correctly diagnosed because then you know how to form your decisions and I've known of two births this year that were misdiagnosed and one was misdiagnosed as being monochorionic diamniotic when it was monochorionic monoamniotic and it almost ended in the loss of one and I know of a set of triplets that were diagnosed as uh, dichorionic triamniotic. So they shared two and one of those babies passed away. So sorry, Sarah, can you just repeat that last little bit about the triplets? It just cut out them. Okay. Um, and I I've heard of a triplet pregnancy where that was diagnosed as dichorionic triamniotic, and that is where there's two placenta, um, and two of the triplets shared that placenta, and it turned out that they all shared the placenta, and one of those babies lost their life, and the other, and they, the other two were born at 24 weeks, and are still in, and are still in NICU, so you know, we are being forced to go in for excessive monitoring by people that are unskilled and do not know what they're doing. And that is unacceptable to me. You know, there's, you know, few things that I say are unacceptable. Midwives not knowing what they're doing when it comes to twin pregnancy in order to facilitate a home birth or a, or a, or a physiological birth in hospital and doctors and sonographers being unskilled at scans it's just unacceptable absolutely you're 100 percent right and you know and then we've got 
healthcare professionals, what we call them, not knowing that much about physiological birth in general, which doesn't help or support anyone. No. And also, you know, it is so common in, you know, almost, not almost all, but a huge amount of the twin families that I support that want to not follow the NHS rule of thumb or worse still, their tyrannical midwife who works for the NHS are being referred to social services. And it's it's disgusting. And, and also the assumption that parents will be unable to care for two babies as opposed to one. Well, the, there's no evidence, no evidence for that. Research doesn't say that. Quite literally, if a parent is incapable of looking after one baby, they're going to be incapable of looking after two. But if a parent is capable of looking after one baby, they're going to be able to look after two. And I just want to like break a lot of these misconceptions to protect and safeguard, you know, families really. Absolutely. And thank you so much for, yeah, for having this in your corner and this being your sole calling to come and help these mamas and babies and families because, gosh, yeah, it's really unacceptable what is happening. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And just to kind of wrap, wrap it up, I would love to hear if you have like a favorite fact about twin or multiple pregnancies because there's so many kind of myths and stories and misinformation out there but I would love to know if you've got like a fact or like a really fun thing about twins that's like that's so fucking cool <laughs> or anything that comes to mind at all and I'll put you on the spot uh, I guess I guess a fun fact I don't know if it's a fun fact but it's a fact that I haven't I haven't mentioned but um, I think people <clears throat> don't realise that um, your when you're pregnant, your blood volume increases, right? So when you're pregnant with twins, for every baby that you're pregnant with, that doubles. So you you have twice as much hormone, twice as much amniotic fluid, twice as much baby, twice as much placenta. So it's literally twice as much. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah that's a fun fact I love that <laughs> <laughs> so good. yeah thank yeah. you so much for coming on and sharing and speaking to me today I've yeah I've loved it I feel like I could I've got about eight million more questions but well I'll leave it for another day oh um, bless you I would love to for you to share where people can find you where they can get in contact with you um, and any offerings you've got out there at the moment know you've got an amazing podcast as well so please feel free to share yeah, I've got my um, podcast, which is uh, Doula Doula Birth, I think it's Birth World Passions or Birth Work Passions, isn't it awful? I can't remember the name of it, but it's um, Listening Without Prejudice. Um, and it's not just about twins, although obviously twins are mentioned quite a lot. Um, and I am, um, there's a lot of, I've got quite a lot of content out there where I'm talking to Professor Kipros Nicolaides for anybody who's pregnant with twins. That one's really good. And I've also uh, spoken to Erin Fung of um, Better Birth podcast. Um, my website is um, www.douladoula.co.uk. And on Instagram, I'm douladoula underscore Sarah. Um, 
so yeah you can find me all of those places and I if this does go out before March I have got a symposium that I've organized for the end of March in London with Kip Prothnikolides and other twin specialists so if anybody wants to go to that um get in touch and um we, we've got tickets and um if not people will be able to watch it online amazing that sounds very exciting thank you so much and I'll put all Sarah's details in the show notes and you can go ahead and find her. Thanks so much, Sarah. Bless you. Thank you. Love you, Bex. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Way of the Womb podcast. If this episode resonated with you and if you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot and share this on your social media tag me at beck wallace birthkeeper and drop me a message let me know how you found it and if you feel called please feel free to leave a review it just helps other people to find the podcast so that we can build community and gather together thanks so much sending all the love